Hey everyone, welcome to Reformed Podmatics, hosted by the pastors of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. It's Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey, and this podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Reformed Podmatics. My name is Pastor Mark. And I'm Pastor Zach. And today, you, I'm sure, have noticed the topic that we are covering. It is a topic (laughs) that you have heard a little bit about in the past several months. Um, You would have to be living (laughs) under a rock in order to not be thinking really daily about the issue of COVID-19 and how that is impacting our lives. And so today we want to talk about COVID-19 and how it's impacting the church. And hopefully, uh, throughout this conversation, you can hear some of the deliberations that we have in the church office. And uh, and really, one of the purposes of this podcast is to help people understand the tone, I think, that pastors should have when thinking about these very complex and nuanced issues. Hmm. Um, we are navigating through something that none of us has ever been through before. And so you're going to see a lot of personality differences come to the forefront um, hmm. in across the church landscape of evangelicalism or the Reformed Church or even yeah. in sort of political spheres as well. You're going to see people who come forward and they would suggest that they know exactly how to respond to this situation and all people should fall in line behind them. Um, you're going to encounter people at the opposite extreme who have absolutely no clue uh, what's going on and how to respond to anything, and they'll be really motivated by by fear or by um, basically just the need to kind of shut down and remove from society out of worry. And then there's a lot in between as well, where people are, are trying to wisely, tactfully um, navigate through different decisions that we have to make from really week to week. And so hopefully we're going to find ourselves a little bit more in that middle ground where we are not cowering in fear, but neither are we um, people at the forefront saying, all follow us because we know exactly how to do this, uh, to navigate uh, church issues, uh, worship matters, how to gather, how (laughs) not to gather, I, th- I think that part of the purpose of this podcast is to communicate that we are wrestling with this, not mm-hmm. out of fear, but as a desire to care for the flock here at Almond Valley. I think it's interesting that you note the how we're seeing the differences of personality throughout this whole thing over the past, I don't know, nine months now. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who a year ago would have been very much on the same page theologically, mm-hmm. even sort of where they line up politically – we have seen that this has shown us a razor's edge of a difference between Mm -hmm. different groups, sort of subgroups within evangelicalism, even within our reformed tradition. You have some who in the, in years past have done conferences together and, and done, you know, events together and now have been lodging arguments and critiques at one another. And it's caused a lot of interesting turmoil uh, for the church in general. 
And this has been a, a time of shaking down to the core and of revealing. And I think in that sense, it's it's been a time of judgment upon the church. Yeah. Um, in that it is, in, in judgment, God reveals and exposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen issues that are deep at the root of, of the church right now. And I think that's really interesting. But yeah, you also said that this is really to show our heart and to show how we've been thinking about it and processing it uh, as pastors. And mm-hmm. just to be clear, as the youth pastor, I've had a lot less um, importance, I guess, in the decision making, and that's totally fine with me. Um, I'm not an elder in the strict sense here. Um, and so I haven't been as much on the hot seat as Mark. I think Mark has felt a lot more of the of the stress of decision making, but uh, one of the things that it's good to talk about as we think about the coronavirus and how churches have been handling it is is going back to the the question of church polity, mm-hmm. uh, returning to the value of why we as uh, as reformed Christians hold on to elders and deacons as our version of polity, um, mm-hmm. as as our vision of polity, and so. Mark, what's it been like over the past nine months as you have been the pastor, the lead pastor of this church, uh, trying to help the church navigate through these times, but not also not being the only one mm-hmm. at the fore making all the decisions? Yeah, that is a huge question. It kind of changes, actually, from one week to another. And just so that people know where we are at as a congregation, if you're at Almond Valley or not, it might be helpful for you to know kind of how we do things here mm-hmm. right now. Um, we just decided a few days ago that we are going to worship, continue worshiping in person, but we are going to require masks to be worn all throughout the worship service. That's a kind of a new development mm-hmm. because COVID-19 has really impacted our town in some very significant ways in the past week and a half or so. It's really... Mm-hmm reared its head in our community um, yeah. most most significantly and most seriously in Bethany Home, which is the neighboring um, uh, care facility for those who, who need special care, particularly often older people. And so there are many cases there, but, but we're not really reacting because of something that's happened across the street or, or in a retirement community. We've just noticed that many people in our own congregation have tested positive recently for Mm -hmm. COVID-19. And so the elders uh, just gathered over Zoom um, a few days ago and decided that we are going to require masks for in-person worship. And (laughs) and when I wrote an email to the elders uh, after that meeting to try to figure out how we're going to communicate this to the congregation, the first thing that I said was how thankful I am for the elders and the fact that um, I am not making these decisions (laughs) as sort of the lead pastor, the guru, the prophet who knows exactly the direction to go and um, just says sort of pronouncements from on high for the whole congregation to listen to. I think that many evangelical churches operate in that kind of way, and it's actually interesting. I will occasionally talk with people who are not Reformed, sometimes who are not Christian or who are, and they will see me, they'll hear I'm the pastor of a church and yeah. assume I'm like the CEO, I'm, I'm in charge. And um, you're sort of at the top, like the president or the, even like the king almost of the church and mm-hmm. what you say goes. And 
I'm usually pretty quick to note that I I am an elder in our church, and I really serve alongside seven other elders who I believe have functional authority over me. Hmm. There are many Reformed churches where the elders are an elder in name, but there actually is no functional authority, and the staff still kind of runs everything. Mm-hmm. That's probably the most common scenario in evangelical contexts, that there would be some kind of board or elder or consistory group, mm-hmm. and they they have a say, and they help to make the budget, and they give feedback. They keep feedback. things accountable, make sure that the organization is still moving along. Yeah, they, uh, they're, they're there, and they do good things, but mm-hmm. the functional authority might not be that significant. So I do believe that there's functional authority over me and I've I've seen that at different phases of how we've handled covid as a congregation. There have been times I've felt strongly about how we should go in a certain direction and I haven't gotten my way. Um there've been other times where I've come into a meeting and held some sway and uh helped the elders to see things from my perspective and they have been convinced, and so hmm. I, I generally sense that there's mutual accountability in uh, our relationship between me as pastor and the elders, and that's really, I would say, how reform polity should function, um, not not just as elders are in charge and the pastor is mm-hmm. almost an employee. That's mm-hmm. not really a, a biblical uh, perspective, I think, on reform polity. Yeah. Um, but that we would have a mutual accountability, um, and and that I could help them at times, and at times they will also say to me, "No, we're just going to go this direction," and mm-hmm. and uh, you need to um, understand the reasons for it. And often I'll even be the one tasked with writing some of those uh, documents out for the congregation, and that's good for my pride to be <laughs> um, challenged. And once again, reform polity has shown itself to be very helpful because I do not know how I could have endured through the past nine months with all of the pressure of decision-making on me. I'm so glad that we have elders who can yeah. help kind of spread the the weight of that decision-making out. Yeah, it seems like over the past nine months, and I'm not even the lead pastor here, but pastors are getting... They're getting mud slung on all sides, hmm. essentially. And there's so many voices in every pastor's head right now as they're trying to listen well to the flock, listen well to uh, other leaders, um, other advisors, state authorities. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it, it sort of feels like trying to, to walk through a minefield right now as a pastor trying to navigate your church through this this situation in the w- way that you think is best. Um, and it's really helpful along the way to have elders. And I, I've seen this, you know, f- I wouldn't say from a distance, but I've been, I've been out, uh, at all the council meetings the last several months and I've been part of the discussions as well. Uh, where, where has our church been? People, maybe people don't know. People haven't been going to our church. Uh, we have some listeners obviously that aren't at our congregation. Uh, what, what has been our church's, uh, sort of story over the past nine months in terms of opening, how mm-hmm. we've opened, when we've opened, um, 
as you just heard Mark say, were opened now, which in the state of California is against the mandate from Governor Newsom. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we are disobeying, and we're on the record as disobeying at this point. Uh, But what has been our posture along the way as well? So right when everything started in March, we responded like everyone else. Um, To my knowledge, in the country, all churches closed in the month of March because it was an emergency situation that we were unaware of the seriousness of. So we were closed between, well, we weren't closed. I do want to maybe be careful about that, (laughs) that we continued gospel preaching and we continued gospel ministry through the use of technology. And so um, I would suggest that the church has never been closed for a single Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's an important distinction. It's not as though when we can't gather in person, that there is nothing therefore happening mm-hmm. in the kingdom of God in Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church. Mm-hmm. And so we did not have in-person worship between, I think it was like March and late, 16 or so May, right? and May 31, mm-hmm. um, Memorial Day. No, it was that's the weekend after Memorial Day is, is when we first had our in-person worship service again. And um, we have had in-person worship uh, ever since then, it's often been mm-hmm. outside. So we were indoors uh, for June. We were indoors for a little bit, and then we were we were told that you you cannot worship indoors right. anymore. And so we went outside for I want to say six or seven weeks, mm-hmm. um, and then we have come back inside. What pushed us back inside were the fires and the smoke, and um, mm-hmm. we we had to come back inside, which was uh, quite bad here in the Central Valley. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was it was really bad, and so at that point, our elders were deciding, well, what is the greater risk? Is is the greater risk COVID nineteen, of which there were very very few cases in Ripon mm-hmm. at the time, or is it the risk of smoke inhalation? And yeah, which was the, the smoke off was, the charts was very bad, and like the AQI I, was. Yeah, I live four doors yeah. away from the church, and I would just walk over to church, and I could feel my yeah. lungs impacted by just being outside for two mm-hmm. minutes, and so. Singing outside would have been very foolish at that time, and so we moved worship indoors, and um, we've pretty much stayed inside since then. Mm -hmm. The governor uh, did allow for us to be inside for a few weeks there, and um, you know, uh, September, October gathering. Yeah, it was yeah October into November, I think a little bit, and then things closed back down where we then said as as a council we are con- going to continue offering in-person worship um and uh we do strongly encourage people to self-screen and to be careful mm-hmm. and to watch from home and uh, don't want to bind people's consciences that because we are gathering in person means everyone must break through every barrier possible in order to get to church or else Um, the elder is going to call you and they're going to ask you um, where have you been (laughs) and so uh we're totally recognizing that there are going to be many people who whose consciences are um convicted quite a bit because of the governmental authorities and they want to obey the government Mm -hmm. authorities and stay home and honor that and and that is understandable and then there are others who are trying to be especially careful and we don't want to bind their consciences either and Mm -hmm. require that they would come back to church. Or there's people who have both concerns. Yeah, and so um, what we ended up seeing was about two-thirds of the church return. So mm-hmm. um, 
in person that our, our typical Sunday attendance during the past several weeks has been about two thirds of our normal um, mm-hmm. pre COVID numbers. Yeah. Uh, which is actually quite high from what I understand. Um, I think that there are other churches that I've heard of who have in person worship and they're seeing one third, maybe a quarter of the people who have returned, which I think does show that in our context, it is very, very significant to be in person on Sunday morning mm-hmm. at church. Um, mm-hmm. And so that is, uh, that is a value that, that people certainly have yeah. here in Ripon. What would you say to someone who maybe would ask, well, why didn't we just stay open the whole time? You yeah. know, if we're open now, we're disobeying orders. Shouldn't we have disobeyed orders right from the, the very beginning? Right. They would sort of levy the accusation maybe of being hypocrites that at one point yeah. we listened to the government to close and now we're disobeying the government. So mm-hmm. is that a kind of necessary hypocrisy? I actually don't think it is. And um, I know that it is possible for people <laughs> to deceive themselves. And so I, I want to recognize in humility that that is a possibility that maybe we are being hypocritical and the Lord should show us that, I hope. But I don't think it is because Hmm. everyone was in crisis mode in Mm -hmm. March, April, and May. And we had no idea if this was going to be airborne Ebola Mm -hmm. and it was going to wipe out half of the population Mm -hmm. um, or if it was sort of what it ended up being, which was a very, very serious disease for some people that it affects, but most people who are stricken with COVID, to our knowledge at this point, are going to recover fully. So um, that's what we know now. And Mm -hmm. given what we know now, we're making the best decisions that we can for today. Um, And maybe going a little bit further with the the mask mandate, I think that that's also something that people could wonder about. Well, we didn't require it a few weeks ago, and now we do. And I would guess that this happens at other churches as well. That's Mm -hmm. why we're talking about it. I would say again that I don't think that that's hypocritical because the numbers in our community were very low. Um, I want to say, so our town is about 15,000 people and I checked the numbers two weeks ago and we had had about 300 cases between March and mid November. That's a very low number Mm -hmm. uh, of infection, but all of a sudden we had several people in church with who yeah. had tested positive for COVID. And um, at the, the Christian school. The Christian school had been impacted quite a bit. And of course, Bethany Home, which is mm-hmm. right next to us, uh, it's across the street. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean the virus is going to jump across the street, but it yeah. just came closer to home. Yeah. And uh, therefore, we want to continue worshiping. We want to continue offering the opportunity for people to come to the Lord's house on Sunday and sing and pray and hear his word in person. And so in order to do that, we're going to do everything we can in order to do that. And so we're going to require masks so that we can continue worshiping in person. That's sort of (laughs) been the logic recently. Yeah, this sort of gets to the point that every decision that is made, and there's been lots of decisions, I can't think of a time when the council has ever talked more to each other than yeah. this year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Usually, you know, like there's a few discussions between council meetings each month, but you don't, you're not talking every week, but it seems like there's, there's more stuff to talk about every week and yeah. to sort of 
ask each other, hey, where are we at with this? Where's our city? What do we need to do in the week ahead? So there's been constant adjustments and readjustments over the past nine months. Um, Yeah, there's been like, there have been a lot of days, individual days, where we've had to go from like zero to 60 in decision making. Yeah. Uh, I, I even recall one day where we didn't even, we weren't even gonna meet as a council because it didn't seem like there was actually all that much to discuss. And then by the end of that day, we're meeting as a council on Zoom and making a absolutely huge decision. Hmm. So that's hard, that's a difficult spot to be in. Like often in churches, like for example with the budget, okay, we know the budget meeting is coming. That's a big decision. We have a lot of money to steward as as a congregation. And so I'm going to read my budget. I'm going to think through it. I'm going to take a little bit of time to pray about it and connect with some people that who this mm-hmm. budget will impact. And so you might have three weeks to look at the budget and yeah. and do all that. But we go from not even thinking we need a meeting at all to deciding if we're going to disobey the government and you know have have some big yeah. implications for the decision that we're going to make in one day and um, and often. Those meetings did have to happen in one day because things have to get put in place for Sunday in advance. And so uh, it has been I, the reason that I bring that up is that all people would recognize the uh, the difficulty of decision making during this time um, and that you would have hopefully some empathy for your church leaders. Um, hmm. It change has been difficult, I know, for everyone and um, change is especially difficult if there isn't a lot of empathy towards the difficult decisions that are being made or change change is difficult when there's very little trust in the decisions that are being made and maybe even skepticism about the faith of the decision makers so uh, though that has sort of been our reality and I yeah, I I know that we have deliberated a lot and have really prayerfully tried to work through this, and I would hope that every listener could respond to this conversation by saying, "Wow, uh, I need to pray for my leaders, and I need to um, to think in an empath and an empathic, humble way about what they're going through, um, trying to do their best to care for the flock." Yeah, it's been a wild ride to say the least. And again, this, I haven't been at really the center of the storm, even myself, but being involved with it all and mm-hmm. running youth ministry and trying to constantly message <laughs> the parents yeah. and let them know where the youth ministry is at, how we're handling things and adjusting to things. We were back inside for most of this semester, starting in, I think, September. Uh, and then uh, last month, or after, right around Thanksgiving as things mm-hmm. have started to get really bad yeah. and we made the decision, the council made the decision or the elders made the decision to stop all midweek ministries uh, or non-worship ministries unless they were 10 people or less. Our youth group is is a little bit over that or mm-hmm. with including leaders who are usually in the high teens. Um, there's usually about 12, 13, 14 students and then a handful of leaders and so we knew that that wasn't going to be possible for us, and so we had to move things outside, and we we decided to shorten our semester by a week, uh, and so there have been the adjustments, and it has not been fun. And there's yeah. 
there's lots of questioning about, well, why are you doing this? And why are you doing that? And there's, there's times where people have pointed out inconsistencies in how we've handled things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has made me just want to say, you know what? I'm as exhausted as, as everybody else of this, but we're, we are genuinely trying to do our best. And this isn't an excuse for anything, yeah. but it is a, Hey, look, we're, we're, we are trying here. We are, we are trying to be wise and be faithful to, to God and to our calling as, as ministers and elders to do our best by everyone to navigate these really interesting times. And yeah, it's, it hasn't always been easy all along the way. And I'm sure Mark could tell you more about that than, than I could. Um, yeah, well, it's, uh, hopefully, I mean, hopefully people hear in the tone of our conversation that both Zach and I, and I hope every person involved with decision-making during this process would keep in mind, I could be wrong here. Just the humility of the possibility that I have a lot to learn and that I need others to speak into the situation and help me understand uh, why we should be more careful or why we should be uh, more open and and loose Mm -hmm. on some of the restrictions. Um, That sounds like weak leadership I would recognize to some people. Sure. um, Because (laughs) there are a lot of talking heads um, on the liberal news media, the conservative news media, the liberal church, the conservative church, who will tell you exactly what you need to do. And that that can sound like great leadership. And and yet, um, often... Um, what it ends up producing is, I would say, disunity in the body because uh, that gets us kind of in the next point that we wanted to talk about, which is the the need for local solutions has been yeah. really seen throughout this whole pandemic and where there is a one-size-fits-all solution applied, mm-hmm. um, it's actually going to cause more disunity than unity because it will end up either putting people in harm's way um, because of the possibility of infection, or it will end up perhaps closing churches that really should be open because it yeah. is better to meet in person than it is to meet by, by watching a screen. Yeah, and this is where we see the need for nuance too and, and, and for adjusting to wherever your local context is at and thinking through all the variables uh, yeah. that are at hand. This is... Part of my struggle with with Christian leaders in particular who uh, have made just sort of proclamations that you are not a faithful Christian if you are either not opened right now. That's what Mm -hmm. some people would say. And on the other hand, there's some that make it sound as if you're not a faithful Christian if your church is opened right now, despite where your your city is or or anything like that. And that's that's been a. A difficulty yeah. uh, that the church is experiencing right now. We're seeing a lot of vitriol. Hmm. Um, but what, what happens in that is that you are le- raising your position to the level of biblical fidelity and orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. And you are saying, this is the bar. And if you're not doing what I'm doing, you're, you know, you're a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Essentially yeah. you're, you're not quite, fully Christian in the way that I am. And that has been a really destructive and divisive thing, as you said, Mark, uh, that has, uh, sown a lot of, a lot of pain, uh, in the church. Um, and needlessly so, because hopefully there is that freedom for 
a little church in uh, rural Northern California uh, to remain open and be careful um, mm-hmm. versus a church at the heart of, you know, three blocks away from a hospital in, in Los Angeles where there's a massive outbreak. Yeah, um, totally. And so they, they're going to need to act differently and recognize that the Lord has them in different contexts. And to mm-hmm. th- where th- things really break down is when we start listening to people from other contexts who are making pronouncements and declarations for how we should be functioning in our church as if they know hmm. um, on both sides of, of the debate. And at Almond Valley, we often will kind of take the middle ground. And I would say often it's the case that we suffer for being in the middle ground where yeah. we're not going to appeal to sort of the uh, thus saith the Lord, bold, brash, no social distancing, we're doing this. and Which some um, people just love because yeah. it's clean cut. And, and so that appeals to some. On the other side, neither are we closing our, our church right. for in-person worship. And so people who are very, very sensitive to that would maybe be drawn more towards a congregation where um, the assumption is that that's the only loving way to respond to this crisis. And so mm-hmm. we've been more in the middle in saying, we are going to worship in person carefully. Mm-hmm. And that has uh, at times upset some people, but I think generally our congregation has responded pretty well to a lot of the uh, instructions and uh, a lot of the wisdom that that we believe has been incorporated by our council. So um, it has been, it's a little bit like preaching, right? Where some people have their preferred preachers and with our internet um, uh, access to all kinds of different types of preachers, people would say, well, this is the kind of preaching that is good. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's the kind of preaching that they like or that they would prefer. And it's going yeah. to be different for from one person to the next. It's just really similar in that regard. I once had it said to me uh, by an, an older member of my previous church. Um, he was a little bit upset with me for something else. And I went and visited him, and I said, well, what's what's your devotional routine? How are you meeting with the Lord? And he said, well, every Sunday we watch, um, every Sunday we watch another pastor preach, and then we go to church. And he said, and we watch that other pastor preach because then we know at least we'll hear one good sermon that day. <laughs> and, and so, like, Whoa. that was, you know, that that's something that... Uh, uh, it stung, obviously, but I think that that shows a little bit of the decision-making for uh, how people have responded to this COVID thing as well. It's related. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, well, if if yeah. if this isn't exactly how I think it should go, I'm going to listen to, you know, um, uh, let's just be honest. Some of the voices on the open church and COVID is... Uh, really not a big deal would be like MacArthur. Um, mm-hmm. Douglas Wilson is another mm-hmm. voice who's very influential and, and would say, you know, masks are, are bad, mm-hmm. uh, that they're dangerous to wear a mask and things like that. And so there's those who will say, oh, well, that's what we need to do. And then yeah. there's so many on the other side that would say, oh, if you're not closed, you're unloving and un- not being careful and mm-hmm. sort of playing fast and loose with the health of your congregational members. There's almost too many voices to name in that category. And so mm-hmm. um, people will just sort of 
be pulled towards their voice that they want to hear and then project that onto what they think should happen in our church instead of um, kind of just trusting, hopefully, that we have faithful, reliable, trustworthy elders um, who are making what I think have been good decisions during the course of the uh, pandemic. It seems to me that on both sides of this equation, which, let's be honest, a lot of the times people are choosing a side, it's because they're more politically Mm. in alignment with that side. Um, Often their theology comes second. They theologize their politics in in order to justify the position that they take. Um, Maybe that's a weird way of putting it, (laughs) but... Uh, it's that their their political news outlet that they watch most is more influential than their than their beliefs as as Christians. And so, if the news outlet that they favor tells them that this is really serious and everything should close down, then they think the churches should not should not be meeting in person. And if their news outlet tells them the opposite, then they will say churches all need to open up. Um, and and then they equate their politics with their theology. And what happens is that the the highest virtues on both sides are boldness, courage, mm-hmm. and being brash, even, um, and just really you know staking your 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 claim and making your stand and standing up for what you believe, which are good things as far as they go. Mm-hmm. But what we've lost out on, I think, are the virtues virtues of humility and wisdom, um, uh, and patience. And learning to be flexible, learning to listen well to both sides, learning to uh, not just come to conclusions immediately, but to take a little bit of time if you can. And we've just talked about how there's sometimes there's not time to take time. (laughs) You have to make a decision one way or the other. Uh, But we've lost out on the sort of virtues that I think really are what Christians need right now. Uh, and so maybe this sort of gets at, gets to one of the other things we were talking about earlier uh, before we started recording was the Beatitudes. What does Jesus call us to in the Beatitudes? What kind of spirit does he call us to and how does that fit in? I think maybe this is a good place yeah. to sort of land the plane. Yeah, Where do Christians need to uh, do some work on their, in their own lives uh, as we continue to go through this pandemic? Yeah, I um I've really wrestled with um how best to care for our congregation through my preaching and um what sorts of topics we need to be thinking about and focusing on um and really one of the big ones is that humility. Um I am even toying with the idea of spending a good portion of all of next year emphasizing humility. Um, the humility required to repent, hmm. um, the humility required to be led, uh, the humility that God requires of us to trust him and trust each other. Uh, because I've seen a lot of that break down and, and where there has been strife and struggling, even in my own life, uh, where I have been most frustrated is where I have been most prideful in thinking I know exactly what we have to do and anybody who doesn't come along with me is faithless mm-hmm. or fearful or you know whatever else um, and so at times I've had to fight those own ideas within myself and the the solution of course is repentance and humility and as I was thinking about this 
I was realizing, well, what are we encouraged towards, particularly through like YouTube rants and <laughs> um, Facebook things people share. Um, generally, what people are encouraged more towards is is that bold action. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I know the answer. This is the answer. Here's what we do. Yeah, but exactly. what does not go viral is patience. Mm-hmm. Um, humility does not go viral. There's there's almost no way that humility could be packaged as an appealing thing to people who uh, are searching desperately and frantically for answers. Like mm-hmm. it's a it's a counterintuitive virtue, you might say that it's actually something that you need, and yet it's not going to be something that appeals to the fleshly person. Yeah, and so especially when we're all looking for slam dunk answers exactly. and easy approaches to how to fix this whole problem. And I think, quite honestly, if we're filling our minds with the words of prideful people, then we shouldn't be surprised when we struggle to be humble as well. Hmm. And you hear a lot of that, I think, particularly in the news that people consume, uh, whether that's through the radio or TV or social media, um, or even podcasts. I, I will, yeah, <laughs> podcasts as well. I, I will occasionally have to evaluate: Am I Am I filling my mind with prideful words, with with prideful attitudes by consuming this, um, or am I be really, am I more encouraged towards the beatitudinal life, um, the poor in spirit, the peacemaker, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, um, even willingness to be persecuted, uh, willingness to mourn, um, you know, all of these things are are really calls to humility, and so. I, I do think that that has been the desire of of our local council, and I would guess most little mm-hmm. churches have a desire to do what's best and to humbly serve the Lord, and um, while at the same time not just sort of uh, falling into the the uh, I don't know, just like oh well, whatever, you know. Since since there's got to be so much nuance and humility, we can't even make a decision. That mm-hmm. that could be where some churches go. Absolutely, um, but I, I I think I could say for our church, and this isn't even like a Almond Valley advertisement, but but we have humbly struggled with a lot of these things, and um, and hopefully that's led us where we need to go. Where people have received that in humility has gone well. Where people have received any our instruction um, with resistance. It's uh, it's generally been that they they just disagree um, based on maybe some other information that they have, and it's it's even possible that such people were right. But to maybe this is a side issue, but say say you're listening to this and you disagree with something that's happening at your church, what do you do? How how would you respond to that? I've heard of one pastor on a podcast who said this is actually an issue where you may leave a church. And so if a church is requiring yeah. that you wear a mask, this pastor said, you actually may go, according to the Bible, he said, and search for another congregation to be a member of. Now, I could not disagree with that more strongly, <laughs> um, mostly because, of course, there's nothing in the scriptures that would talk about mask wearing, and so mm-hmm. it's certainly not a hill that people should want to die on one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I would say... If you are really struggling with how your church is handling these things, to approach it with a spirit of humility and to approach your elders in a spirit of humility and say, um, look, any of us could be wrong, and let's work this out together. How was the decision made? 
Um, where is your heart at? Are, are you guys making these decisions with some biblical principles behind them? Mm-hmm. Or is this sort of just reactionary to what's happening in our context or in our world? Um, just try to learn. Uh, to approach it with an attitude of trying to learn, I would say, is always an attitude that I appreciate, whether it's COVID-related or any other thing that you could disagree with with your church leadership, to go and say, let's work this out together mm-hmm. instead of how dare you, you know, you're, I, I really don't like this term faith over fear because then <laughs> that means that anybody who disagrees with me doesn't have my faith, they just living by fear. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, it's sort of a conversation stopper instead of a conversation starter and said, well, let's figure out how faithful Christian people can live in this context. Yeah, this is where I think the book of Proverbs comes in oh, really helpful. It's huge. Uh, especially the, the first nine chapters, sort of the uh, invitation to learn and to heed wisdom and how wisdom blesses and builds our lives and and uh yeah makes our lives better and and the whole point of wisdom is listening is mm. humility uh not trusting yourself but trusting god uh and trusting that god can give you faithful advisors people who can speak into your life so it it beckons us to take a posture of of careful listening to one another of loving listening mm. to one uh, lovingly listening to one another mm-hmm. um and and making good decisions. Uh, This is, you know, the example of King Solomon, you know, later on in his life, of course, fails. And it's very foolish and unwise. Uh, But part of his wisdom early in his his reign was that he was able to make very important, crucial decisions in very wise ways. And this is the kind of wisdom that we need. And James, the book of James, beckons Mm. us to ask for God's wisdom and to do so not with a double-minded uh, approach thinking that maybe or maybe not it will happen but to trust God to trust that God will give us wisdom because his wisdom not our wisdom but his wisdom is the wisdom we need to do all of these things well and mm. to navigate this very complex situation in a way that is beneficial and brings blessing to those around us but also glorifies him in our obedience yeah. Well, and hopefully, I mean, just as we conclude, we can say there has been so much that we have learned and even can be thankful for as a result of COVID. Um, it has really helped me understand my own self and where I need to work on things in my own spiritual life. Um, my, For example, my likelihood to withdraw when stressed or when... Um, really struggling with a decision to make or Mm. when something is very different, all of a sudden there's all this change happening. I could withdraw uh, from my wife or from uh, my kids, uh, maybe from even certain responsibilities that I might have. And so I repent of that and I'm working on that. Mm. Um, And hopefully each of you who are listening can look for ways that the Lord has used the COVID situation to illuminate your own sin and and your own need for wisdom in other areas. Maybe it's a need to be more confident in the Lord and um, not to live in fear. Maybe for others, it's a need to uh, humbly maintain unity and check your own opinion and your own views um, at the door a little bit when entering into a conversation with somebody who you know sees things differently. There's so many things that we could learn from this 
and uh, I know that our spiritual enemy wants to break people down and um, isolate and uh, make people increase in hatred towards one another, but hopefully uh, the result will end up being spiritual growth. Um, Mm. I do certainly believe that this is maybe a time of pruning in the church, and uh, not just in the personal sense of the Lord pruning things in my life, but pruning in the church in terms of um, people who who are struggling so greatly with with this issue um, are going to be pruning some things in their own life, and that pruning hurts. And uh, as elders, we need to be there with them as they're doing this work. Hopefully, they will allow us to help them find those branches that need to go. Hmm. Um but uh, even maybe more generally and more expansively, uh, it is possible that that this all this change that has happened could reveal in some people's own lives that they have made idols into certain things about church hmm. that uh, that have now been revealed, um, and and there's there's going to be a lot of hard work that comes with that in repentance. So. Um, Again, I think that Christ is at work, that he's on his throne, Amen. and that there is good that is going to come from all of this, um, all of the changes, all of the need for adjustments and flexibility and humility. These things are good for us, and um, hopefully we can approach it with that kind of attitude. Um, it doesn't mean that every change has been perfect, and so um, hopefully your council has recognized that, that they have possibly even erred in different scenarios, but we all need each other and um, we need to grow. We need to grow in the grace and truth of Jesus as, as Peter's doxology and uh, conclusion to one of his letters notes. So, so thank you for listening, everyone. Yeah, it's definitely. been a, an episode, hopefully, where you've heard the heart of two pastors who very obviously are struggling in some ways with <laughs> these issues, but um, but we struggle with a God. Uh, <laughs> we struggle alongside a God who is mm. with us. Yeah, that's what we remember, of course, at Advent, and um, and we we are not alone. We have all the d- the direction that we need for making good decisions that will build build up the kingdom of God in this world. Yeah. So, there is a way forward. Yeah, God has absolutely. shaken us to our core. Yeah, He's revealed a lot of things to us, but God is gracious to us, and He never leaves His His people. He never abandons us, and He's always faithful to His promises. We have Amen. every reason to be even cheerful in mm-hmm. this season. Yeah, uh, not just in this Christmas season, but in the coro- in Corona tide. That's right. Um, Rejoice <laughs> always, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, because even though it's been difficult and it looks like it will continue to be difficult for at least a few more months. Uh, God's good. And in that we can rejoice knowing that he is still at work. His gospel is still being preached and that there's still good work for the church to do yeah. uh, in, in this time. So, so yeah, encourage one another. That's one thing that I will leave this with. Uh, Paul so often will conclude his letters by saying, encourage one another, love one another, say encouraging, mm-hmm. helpful, things to build each other up in faith and uh take some time today to encourage someone and say i can see that maybe you've struggled or that maybe you've had a hard time with something i encourage you to continue seeking christ and um you'll find him when you seek him so thank you for listening everyone yeah thanks guys the lord be with you have a good day